From Riverside Health System, this is the Healthy You Podcast, where we talk about a range of health-related topics focused on improving your physical and mental health. We chat with our providers, team members, patients, and caregivers to learn more about how to maintain a healthy lifestyle and improve overall physical and mental health. So let's dive into learn more about becoming a healthier you. Alrighty, I am really excited to have with me today in the Healthy You podcast studio, Mrs. Carol Downey. We're going to be talking about breast cancer, and Carol is a breast cancer survivor. So we're going to get the patient's perspective around this experience. So Carol, welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us for this episode. Today is a very special episode to me, and it's near and dear to my heart. Um, Carol, I consider you a friend and someone that I highly respect, and you are a two-time cancer survivor. Carol is a wife, a mother, and an avid dog lover. (laughs) Welcome, welcome again. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about yourself, your family, and your love of pet and pet therapy. So, um, as you say, I'm a wife, a mother, and a grandmother, and um, a a pet mother of now six dogs and counting, not all at the same time, but that's how many we've had so far. Okay. Um, I have three children that are all now now grown adults with uh, jobs with benefits. So, empty nest. Empty, well, (laughs) never empty, (laughs) but empty-ish. Yes, yes. And um, and a three-year-old grandson who okay. I absolutely adore. Okay, okay. Now, as a nurse, I am familiar with pet therapy. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about your experience with pet therapy. So we have a black lab who has um, been certified by Therapy Dog International. Okay. And we visit with um, various different organizations that request pet therapy. And just to be clear, um, a therapy dog is different from a service dog. Okay. A service dog is ADA accredited. It has public access. And it is basically a a tool, in a way, for a person with a disability. Okay. So they they can go anywhere a wheelchair can go. Um, A therapy dog, on the other hand, is a pet. And it is highly trained, and it has been tested to make sure that it can react appropriately in stressful situations, right. but, um, but it can't have public access. It's not necessarily allowed to go into places um, where a normal pet couldn't go. Right. So. That's very, very helpful. And mm-hmm. I know that the research has shown from the pet therapy perspective, I've seen it in nursing homes and even in acute care settings, mm-hmm to decrease their cortisol and stress level. 100%. We, yes. um, we visit at the detention center. Okay. We visit um, with the ARC of abilities. Okay. And then we also go to the cancer infusion center. Yes. So. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. We are so grateful um, to have you and to talk about your journey, not once but twice, twice. Yeah. to where you are today. I know it all started with you at a young age, around 35 years old. Uh, before we jump into that uh, first diagnosis, I would love for you to share a little bit about your life at the time, because I think that really helps our viewers to understand and set the stage for right. how this all started and then um, your journey after that. I agree. Um, 
when I was 35 years old, my brother, who was 32, passed away from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, which was unusual for such a young man to get yes. this disease yes. and for it to be incurable. Uh, needless to say, as my only sibling, it had a huge impact on our family. Yes. About that time, um, my doctor recommended that I have a screening mammogram, um, which when you think about that, that was 1991. The technology was pretty rudimentary right. back then. Um, so, you know, from what they could see, everything was fine, and I went on forward in my life without ever thinking about it again. Um, flash forward to our move, we moved from this area to Roanoke in 1995, and I started, obviously, um, with my preventative health care right. uh, with a gynecologist, and um, at age 40, she asked me to get a mammogram. Okay. And, of course, in my head, I'm thinking, there's no breast cancer in my family. Right. There's no reason for me to, you know, I had right. one five years ago. Why right. would I do another? Right. And um, so I just put that little piece of paper in my purse and went on down the road. Right. Um, flash forward a year later, I'm 41. Right. Um, the doctor, uh, you know, it's time for my annual exam. So this was a big OB practice. Right. And their office was chaotic. Lots of young moms and children and, you know, people coming and going. And for the GYN patients, they had a little satellite office okay. in the hospital where Bill was the administrator. Right. So, of course, I planned to have my appointment there right. so that, um, you know, in and out, because why hang out in a big right. chaotic waiting yes. room? Yes, yes. So, uh, and at the same time, I planned to have lunch with Bill. Okay. So, go in for my appointment. My doctor says... You know, you're 41 now. I, we recommended that you get a mammogram last year, and I see you didn't do that. And I'm like, you know, sorry. Right, right. I didn't really think much about right. it. You know, I don't have any family history. I breastfed my babies um, for a year each or right. more. Right. Um, you know, I exercise regularly. I try to eat well. I mean, I don't smoke. I feel good. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah. not worried about right. this. Right, right. And um, she said, well, I think, you know, just on recommendations, I think you need to go ahead and get one this year. I said, yes, ma'am, I will. <laughs> so then I go upstairs to um, catch up with Bill so that we could go out to lunch. And for your listeners, they probably don't remember when telephones used to be attached to a oh, long cord. Yeah, and you needed a really long a one. A really long <laughs> cord. And um, so I go into the office Bill's administrative assistant is sitting out front, and she asked me how my appointment was, and I said, well, you know, the doctor would like me to get a mammogram. I don't even know where to go. I don't know right. how to get a mammogram. Who does that? Right. How do I you navigate know, this, exactly. right? <laughs> and um, he was coming around the corner with a long phone cord, and, you know, he was on the phone call, and he's kind of giving me this just-a-minute thing. So she calls downstairs to find out how I get a mammogram. Okay. And they said, we can actually take her right now. And just as I'm saying to the administrative assistant, no, Bill and I are going to have lunch. You, know, you were prioritizing lunch. Exactly, 100%. Right. He comes around the corner and goes, this phone call is going to be long, and I'm going to have to cancel lunch. Oh, so I said, all righty then, I'll go downstairs and get this over with, you know, and I did. And um, a couple days later, 
get a call to come back for some more views. They just weren't really sure what they saw. Right. Go back and have um, some more targeted views. Again, they're seeing some microcalcifications. They're not exactly sure what they are. I guess in medical world, microcalcifications can either be very clearly cancer or very right. clearly not cancer. Right. Mine were indeterminate. They okay. were in, in the middle. Okay. So go back. And again, la, 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 la. Right. You know, not thinking a thing. Not of thinking it. a thing. Um, they're like, well, maybe we ought to biopsy this. Okay, whatever. My surgeon, as he's biopsying, is like, this tissue looks really nice and clear. I'm not worried about this at all. And then a couple days later, Bill comes home for lunch. Like, that's not normal. And the the physician, the surgeon, called and said, your pathology is positive. You have cancer. And... To say that, you know, the world just was pulled out from under oh, us is sure. sort of an understatement. Yes, yes. Um, wow, wow. Uh, you know, one thing that resonates with me is how important that relationship is with your primary care yes. or your OBGYN. Yes. Because they keep us on track and on pace. And they don't let us skip and, out. Exactly. So I think everything lined up just as it should. I completely believe there was a divine hand in yes, that. Yes, yes. Um, now looking back, I know we say, hey, I felt good. Does anything stick out at not all? all? Not at all. And I can tell you that as I proceeded through treatment, um, my radiation oncologist told me that it would have been at least five years before they before I could have felt the tumor um, wow. because it was sort of deep into the breast. Absolutely. Wow. Well. So continuing into the treatment, um, after I had a lumpectomy, yes, um, which after we've now spoken about dogs, I have to tell you that... Um, <laughs> When they, when they came out to tell me the results of my surgery, they're like, it was the wildest thing. It was dog-shaped, dog bone-shaped. It was big at the ends and tiny oh. in the middle, and it looked just like a dog bone, <laughs> which, like, of course it did. But um, So I did uh, four rounds of chemotherapy right, and then 33 radiation treatments. Oh and all this while I have a kindergartner, a first grader, a I guess second grader, preschooler, first grader, and third grader, uh, all little kids. And um, trying to keep their life as normal and stable as possible without right. really upsetting the apple cart yes. um, was a challenge, but it was doable. I mean, I had a strong support system. I had a lot of really good friends. Yes. have a lot of funny stories about that yes. time. Yes, um, yes. What do you think, you know, you know, we talk about, you know, individuals having the same kind of diagnoses mm-hmm. and the outcomes are very different. different. What do you think now looking back, uh, you know, what resiliency stands out? Um, and, and what do you think really helped you through that time? And I just could not imagine. And then being there for your family and your kids. Um, that's a really good question. I yes. think having walked with my brother through his yes. cancer yes. and watched his strength yes. and um, and can-do attitude, yes. not yes. letting anything, uh, a great story on him when they were 
testing is bone marrow for a bone marrow transplant. You right. know, they they take the samples from the pelvic bone. Right. He got off that table and went and rode his bike 25 miles and came back and his, you know, his bike pants have little dots oh. from the, the um, punctures. Yes. But so I think that was a good um, starting point. He you was know, having watched up. him. He, he never gave, gave up. up. And so that probably made me a little hard-headed, but I can also say that the team around me was incredible. Every single person that we encountered yes. wanted to give the best care that they possibly could. All right. So, you know, obviously having a husband who's in the healthcare field um, and, and at the time the technology wasn't where it needed to be, nor was the treatment. And I don't think it was talked about as much as it is now. You're absolutely right. So, so how did you navigate through that? Um, the one thing that I counsel anybody that I talk to who is going through this, the first thing I tell them is get a wig. As soon as you yes. have a diagnosis, get a wig. Yes. It's a prosthesis that's covered by insurance, and it puts you in control of your story. Absolutely. Um, I understand the, the warrior mentality. Right. I had that. I used that. Right. But there were times when we would be involved in work events or school events right. where I didn't want to stand out. Absolutely. I wanted to just not be the topic of conversation. Right. I wanted and to be, you wanted to be normal. I right? wanted to be invisible. Exactly. And exactly. so I, I think I, I say to everybody, the wig puts you in charge of your story. If you want to tell it, great. If right. you don't, right. people are just wondering about how your hair looks so good. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I'm glad those things are talked about more. Definitely. Um, and to your point, there is support um, to a help lot more that. support now. Yeah, but um, but uh, I did have I, I you've heard me tell this story <laughs> before. Um, the American Cancer Society, who has been you know involved in cancer for over a hundred years, sent the sweetest lady to our house after my surgery right. to bring a packet of information and some little goodies, you know, an exercise yes. band and yes. things to help me heal from my surgery. And um, she was, in my mind at that time, old. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I'm a 41-year-old mother. Right. I'm not sure I can relate to this sweet yes. little gray-haired lady. Right. <laughs> but then after she left, I thought, wow, I hope I become a sweet little oh. gray-haired old lady, yes. which I have. And but, you're a um, beautiful, stunning <laughs> woman. Yeah, with a lot of gray. <laughs> Um, but it, 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 it was impactful to me because it's like, this is a lifetime experience. Yes. This is not just going to go away when I finish chemo. Yes, yes, absolutely. So fast forward, mm -hmm. fast forward. A few years go by, you move, right, back to Hampton Roads area. Right. Uh, and for the next several years, you're cancer-free, Right. Absolutely. Regular mammograms. Yes. You're doing everything you're supposed to do. I was um, on tamoxifen at yeah. the time. Yeah, oncology checkups looking good. Right. Walk us through what happens next in So 2010. in 2010, um, seems to be a reoccurring theme here, my father passed away from lung cancer in May. And he also was a valiant fighter. Um, it was a quick diagnosis and process for him. Um, 
so I was kind of reeling from that loss. And, but I was getting my regular checkups and, um, the t- at the time, tamoxifen was, you know, they had studied it at five-year increments and at 10-year increments, but not really in between. And somewhere in that five to 10-year range, okay. the effectiveness um, declined and the risk of other negative consequences increased. Okay. And so around uh, eight or nine years, my oncologist said, you know, I just don't feel good about you staying on this. Let's look at some other post-cancer treatments. Okay. So we were in that workup phase. I'm perimenopausal. Um, you know, my, my particular tumor, the first go-around, was 75% estrogen positive. Okay. And in 1998, the testing was, uh, as you said, you know, less... Um, complete. Right. And so that's about all we knew about my tumor. It was um, HR negative. Anyway, kind of forgotten. Right, but right. It, but yes. It was what they called yes. vanilla wafer breast cancer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, so we're in this, this stage of watching me carefully, but I'm not really going through any treatment. Right. So 2010, um, we've hit the 12-year mark of my first diagnosis. Um, my dog, this again, here we are with the dogs again. Yes, yes. My daughter is um, a senior in high school, and she is patting one of our dogs. And she's like, Mom, I feel a lump. I'm like, In my back of my mind, I'm like, I know. I've been trying to ignore it for a while. And she's like, Mom, you have to get this checked now. And so I call the vet, and they said, sure, come on in. We can, we can check her out. And I go to get dressed. And as I'm taking a shower, my hand goes over the scar as it does every single day, multiple times a day when I shower, and I felt something different. And I'm like, that's just weird. And you do this, that routine sure. is a daily you know, routine for you. It is. Yes. And yes. I think you become much more aware of checking right. when you've when had you cancer. Through. Exactly. Yes. Like, I want to make sure nothing yes. else is there. Yes. And, yes. Um, so I just was a little freaked out about that, as you can imagine. Right. After we get the dog checked out and everything's fine, it was right. just a lipoma, um, I am able to get in and get, um, you know, another look. Right. And they said, well, what you felt isn't anything. It's just scar tissue. Okay. But deeper down, we're seeing something. And... Because of the way the timing went, I, I seem to always celebrate Breast Cancer Month with breast cancer. So this would have been September, right. um, end of September, beginning of October. Um, my next mammogram wouldn't have been for probably eight more months. It had probably been, a, I was right. probably midway through right. the mammogram Which would cycle. would have made a, a huge difference. would have made in a the huge size. difference. Yes. So they, um, you know, they do a, a needle biopsy and they're like, this is cancer. It's cancer. You know, listening to your story, and I'm a healthcare professional. I do not check my breasts. I know. I didn't. I wasn't the best. I'll say that. And there's been a lot of education. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to incorporate that into a shower routine would only take a few minutes. So Just I'm going to do better. And I, and I encourage our viewers to do that as well because... You, to your point, you can identify something even earlier. And and you, as you said earlier, listening to your body yes. 
and following up on things that just don't seem quite right, which the irony of it is what didn't seem quite right was perfectly normal. Right, right. But again, it was so far deep that I never would have felt it. Wow. So tell us about, you know, what the treatment plan and next steps um, going through this the second time. So in 12 years, everything has advanced pretty significantly. Um, They're able to type my tumor a little bit more closely. And um, we're looking at surgery, obviously. Um, And because it was so close to the chest wall, you know, I I opted for a full mastectomy. Went ahead and did the prophylactic um, double mastectomy just because the environment was still good for creating cancer. Okay. Um, it was a different cancer. It was okay. not the same. It was similar but different, which I, I think is important to emphasize because I always feel like that says what we did worked. Right. So it's less aggressive or more aggressive right. based on the, the plan you choose, the right. treatment plan. Right. And, okay. um, but because of the oncotype and now they can give you some predictors about, you know, what, um, what is your chance of it coming back right. um, because... Now I have a high schooler and two college-age kids. Um, I wanted to do everything. It's like I never want to go through this again. Whatever we need to do to decrease that risk as much as possible. Get it all. Get it all. And so so we pursued a pretty aggressive treatment. I will say in those 12 years, things like the um, pre-meds had gotten better. Um, uh, The post... um, Oh, shoot, what's that? Injection to prevent neutropenia. Uh, uh, epigen? Ep- yes. Ep- epigen? I think that's epigen. it, yes. And now there's something else something in the same better. family. Yes. M- M- I know what you're talking about, though. It yes. was... Um, Helps with the erythrocytes. Yes. Right, yes. yes. And yes. to make sure I that... I need to go back to the bedside. <laughs> <laughs> it, it helps so you don't have yeah. to yeah. be hospitalized yeah. yes. for yes, to you get know, infections and, and things. Oh, oh yeah. okay, no, no. I know what you're talking about. Yes. The antiviral... Type medications? It's, I don't know. Anyway. I'm not even going to go there. Right. I'm thinking about something else, transplant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it worked. Okay. And and that was not available the first go around. Okay, okay. So, um, you know, and, and now that I've walked with women another 12 years later, I can see that it's come fast, fast forward even more. Gotcha. But um, I did the, um, the double mastectomy. Uh-huh. The four rounds of chemo again, different agents, but um, four rounds of chemo and another 33 radiation treatments because the tumor was so close to the chest wall. Okay, okay. So there was no no room for a clean margin. Okay. Um, and we wanted to make sure that they never touched. Yes. So. Um, and here you are today. And here I am. And here wow. I am, 25 wow. years from the first diagnosis. That's amazing. That's amazing. And what a great outcome. But I think what I hear is that you really stayed on top of everything you needed to do. Um, You um, used your support system. You used your physicians. And um, you picked the best treatment option to lower your risk um, for for reoccurrence. And I I think that's important. I think the the one thing that I would point out looking back is I was so resistant to getting the first mammogram. Yes. And I stop and think, what would have happened if I didn't? 
you know, if another year went by, if I put it off for five years, um, what could have happened? And so with that thought, I want to make sure everybody, the the outcome isn't going to change. Right. The, Im- the information inside your body is what it is, right. whether you look at it or not. Right. And so looking at it sooner rather than later is going to improve your overall yes. quality of life. Yes. And so to me, a mammogram is like getting an eye exam. It's like getting your teeth cleaned. You know, there may be a moment of discomfort. There may be some time of anxiety. But getting that clean bill of health, wipes all of that off yes and I think I know um, sometimes as women we prioritize Mm -hmm. everyone else but it's important that we take care of ourselves so we can be here for the ones we love 100 percent and so um, I know you're very passionate about education um, and um, what I admire about you is your philanthropic oh, work you. that you're doing. And so that's that's a new title that I want <laughs> uh, because the information is no good if we don't share, share it, it and help support each other. And so it's up to us to help our communities. It is. When it is our responsibility. Right. Yes. A healthier community is better for everybody. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much sure. uh, for taking time to talk with me today. I just admire you. Aww, there are women you. that you have the pleasure of interacting with, um, and um, you're just always such a breath of fresh air. You're a strong woman. You remind me of my mother. Um, <laughs> that's um, the ultimate compliment. The, 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 the strong women, and, and that's what it is. When we don't even feel this hap- like we have the strength, we can depend on each other and lift each other up. Um, well, so. you, you've heard the the um, old tale about the elephants. No, no. (laughs) So apparently um, female elephants, you know, they're very communal. Okay. And if one goes down, if they stumble, if they have some illness, the other elephants come around and literally take their heads and hold her up. Um, And that's what I feel like I experienced through all of my 25 years, people holding me up. Some really pressing in when it was necessary and others, you know, in, in, in the orbit when yes. things weren't quite as stressful. But yes. Um, yes. I think That's one of the sweetest things I've ever heard because an elephant's head is heavy. They're heavy. <laughs> and they don't do well when they're down. They no. need to be standing up. So, so you can imagine the strength it would take for everybody to pull them. together to mm-hmm. hold them up. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. But I think that just exemplifies the strength of a woman. So Thank Absolutely. you so much, Carol. Certainly. I just want to encourage all the young women in the listening audience to go get your screening mammogram now. Even if you think you have no history, even if you think you have no reason to worry, peace of mind is the best gift you can give yourself. Get your screening mammogram. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy You. We're so glad you were able to join us today and learn more about this topic. If you would like to explore more, go to RiversideOnline.com.